thank you for leading us uh, in this uh, wonderful Christmas carol, one that speaks of joy. And Christmas is, is about joy, isn't it? How many of us are joyful at Christmas? Most of us. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Christmas is a time of joy. And uh, that's what we want to talk about this morning. Uh, the third Sunday of Advent is joy. And uh, God has just blessed us so, so greatly. Father, as we focus upon you this morning, we ask that you would not only speak to us, but you would impute into our hearts the joy of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to begin with uh, just a, a little summary of Luke chapter 1. And uh, if you want to look in your Bibles, I will be mentioning the verses uh, 46 to 47. But as Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 47. But in this story, we find that God sends an angel. The angel comes with a message. And that message is that Mary is going to be with child. A big surprise to her. But she's going to be with child through the Holy Spirit. And the angel doesn't just stop with this message. The angel continues and says, But your relative Elizabeth... She also is with child. In fact, at the moment, she is in her sixth month. And upon hearing this, Mary immediately packs up all of her things and she rushes over to where Mary lives to visit her. And when she enters into Elizabeth's home, she found things exactly as the angel had told her. When she saw this, she began to say this. She cried out or sung out in verses 4, 47 and 40, 46 and 47. She sung out, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. My soul glorifies the Lord. My soul rejoices. Mary had this joy that just filled her heart. And we find that as we read through the Gospels and we read this Christmas stories, we find that it pleased God to send the Lord Jesus Christ into this world to become our salvation. It pleased him to send the Lord Jesus Christ. He sent him to grant us joy. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 12 and 13 says, You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and the trees of the field will clap their hands. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign which will not be destroyed. The key here is the joy that God will bring to us. It's God's desire, it was God's desire 
to bring joy to our lives. It's God who gives us joy. We can't make it up. Joy comes from the Lord. We, however, need to make a distinction. Sometimes we confuse joy with having a happy experience. There's a big difference between a happy experience and actual joy. Circumstances often give us this time of happiness. And, and it, the, the, these times of happiness come moment by moment. One moment we're happy, the next we're not. We're disappointed. We might even say, well, in this world, can we actually experience true joy? Actual joy. Can we experience it? You see, happiness is a lot like a yo-yo. You ever used a yo-yo? <laughs> happiness is something like that. It's up and it's down and it's up and it's down. Uh, I remember uh, several years ago, I was having a real good day. At least I think I was. And Sherry gives me a call. And she says, the furnace isn't working. And it happened to be one of the coldest days of the season. And I was not happy. <laughs> I went home as quickly as I could because it was later in the day. And it wasn't long before all the shops close up. So I get home. I pull out the motor of the furnace because I found out I think it was the motor. So I, I take that old motor, I take it into the shop, I get a replacement motor just a few minutes before closing. Now I'm happy because I've got a motor, we're going to have heat, we're going to be warm tonight. So I rush home, I put the motor into the furnace, and I go to start the furnace and nothing. Oh no, I am not happy because... I thought that maybe the furnace needs replacing. And that certainly was not going to make me happy. And we were going to be very cold that night. So what do I do? Well, I have a nephew who's in the heating and cooling business. And so I call him up. He lives in, in West Kelowna at that time. So I call him up and guess where he is? Vancouver. <laughs> he says, I'm just getting on a plane in a few minutes. I'll be in Kelowna. I'll give you a call when I get there. Next thing I know, he's calling me and he's on his way to our house. And he gets to our place and he begins to look at things and he rewires uh, the, the, the furnace and we turn it on and it's working. I'm happy. <laughs> Sherry's even happier. Because that means that she was going to be warm. But I share this with you because when it was all said and done, it pleased my nephew, Jason, to have sacrificed his time and his work for his uncle and aunt. It pleased him to do that for us. It pleased God to sacrifice 
his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to change our circumstances, to change our lives, not simply so that we have mere happiness, but so that we can receive true joy. The joy of God's promise. The joy of having this spiritual reunion with God. The joy of being made alive in the spirit and knowing that we have an eternal future because of what Jesus has done for us. Luke chapter 2 verses 10 and 11. The angel here gives this message and proclaims, I bring you good news for great joy. That will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Joy. Great joy. A Savior has been born. What would life be without the Lord Jesus Christ? We would have no hope. It's being born into a world. Going through 60, 70, 80 years of life or more. And then it's in the ground and nothing. I can't imagine a God who would have created us for that. No, God created us for greater joy. Greater joy than that. Joy is vital to life. Joy is vital to life. Without joy, there really isn't life. It's just plain living. Every other religion says, if you live a lawful life, you will receive a future in heaven. You will be happy. If you follow these laws, these rules, these regulations, then your life is going to be joyous. And people work and work, and work, and toil, and they never actually get to it. They never actually receive that joy that they're looking for. But the gospel is proved. If you receive by faith God's gift, not by your work, but by faith, you will receive not only eternal life, but you will receive that peace, that joy, that satisfaction that only God gives us. Romans chapter 1 verse 17 says, For the, in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from the first to the last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. What this is actually saying is that our credibility in heaven rides on the fact that we have become righteous, not because of the things that we have done, but because of the things that Jesus has done. We don't deserve it. It's the work of God through faith. We are justified by faith in Jesus, not of our own work, but of the work of Jesus, and we receive this inner peace, this inner joy that no one else can give you. The true distinguishing mark of a Christian life is joy. Or we may say, well, I don't feel so joyful at times. Well, there's a difference, as I mentioned, between happiness and joy. 
World circumstances can never give you the inner peace and joy that God gives you. It can never do that, no matter how much you have. Inner peace is realized through the relationship that we have with God himself because of Jesus. Because through Jesus, I like to say we have this capital H hope. It's not a hopefulness. It's an assuredness. Our hearts are filled with joy through the assurance that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And nothing can be greater than that. So we find that in Christ, your joy, our joy is unique. In Christ, your joy is very unique. Romans chapter 5 verses 1 to 5 says this. And you can look it up if you want in your, in your Bible. Romans 5 Verses 1 to 5. And scripture here says this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And then Paul says this. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. We receive or we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. When we think about this statement that Paul says, we find that, that suffering, suffering is really the disappearance of favorable circumstances. Suffering is the disappearance of favorable circumstances. Christian joy parts ways with what the world calls happiness. The world has a standard. But Christian joy is not in the same class. World happiness is having hold of favorable circumstances. The world says, is your circumstance favorable? Then you are happy. It doesn't say that you have joy. You're only happy for the moment. As I mentioned before, I was happy when the furnace was working but I was not happy when it wasn't. And that's the way life is. When our circumstances are very positive, we have this happiness. But it doesn't mean that we have joy. Many authors have written with agreement about what they consider are the five components of happiness. And there are these. The first one is this, having the basics, food, shelter, good health, and safety. It's number one on the list. Number two is getting enough sleep. Number three is having favorable relationships or having relationships that matter to you. Number four, having compassionate care for others and yourself. And number five, having work or an interest that engages you. Now the question we could have, uh, ask here is, could these things make you happy? Could they make you happy? 
And we would have to say, yes, those things could make us happy. But if we think about it a little bit, we will find that if we go back a hundred years or so or more, all of these circumstances that these authors have written about have not been in most people's lives. Most people had very little of what these authors have talked about. It's not that they didn't have them, but the amount of what they had was limited. Were those people happier than the people today? I would think they are. I think that people in the past, though they had less, were far more content. They were happy. I think that people have become more problematic or things have become more problematic for people today than they have in the past. I think that people are more lonely today, more unhappy, more depressed, more empty than they ever were before. And they have all this stuff in abundance today. The world believes that happiness is when all circumstances are going well. But even that isn't true. All your, all your circumstances, your life can be going very well. In fact, we've known people who, who seem to live perfect lives. They have wonderful jobs. Uh, they have a great position. They have a beautiful home. They have late model vehicles. They have a wonderful family. Uh, they go on wonderful vocations. But then they're struggling with depression. And some of them have come to us and said, we're struggling, we need help. And I'm always surprised to say, you live an almost perfect life. Yeah, but I don't have this joy that I'm seeking. You see, Christian joy is not found in the world. You can't get it in this world. And when the Bible says we also rejoice in our suffering, it doesn't mean that as Christians we happily seek suffering and then we have joy in our suffering. But we rejoice because the sufferings we are going through produce perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. When we go through our struggles, we still have joy. We may not be happy about our circumstances, but we have a joy because we know all of these things are leading somewhere. They're leading us to the Lord. They're leading us into an eternal future. And we end up with more hope, and we end up with more assurance, and we end up in the glory of God. We can relate this kind of to a parent and a child. The parent says to the child, uh, don't eat all this candy before mealtime because you're going to lose your appetite. We say that to our children. And we say, listen, uh, instead of eating your meal, you will eat candy and then you will not grow healthy. You will not grow strong. You need to eat a good meal. 
and we take the candy away. And after a while, the child becomes hungry. And they begin to eat well-rounded meals. And they enjoy them. Likewise, spiritually, if we focus on the world, or if you focus on the world, you will have very little appetite for the spiritual things of life. You will not grow in a proper way. If we take away our focus from the world, we begin to have an appetite for God. Isn't that interesting the way that works? If we're not focused on this world, we have a different focus. One that gives us great joy. One that allows us to grow spiritually, to grow in our relationship with the Lord. And we develop a trust. We develop hope. We develop a joy that's not dependent on this world, but is dependent on God himself. Paul says in Romans chapter 5 verse 2, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice because our salvation is not dependent on this world. Our salvation is dependent on the Savior whom God has sent into this world. Joy is about knowing that you belong. Joy is about knowing you belong to God. You belong to him because you were bought by a savior who took everything, all, all your sins upon himself. Joy is having a relationship with God. That again has come through the bond in the Lord Jesus Christ. Joy is knowing and having the assurance that when this life is over, there is more. There's an eternity out there. It doesn't end with the years that we spend on earth. Romans chapter 8 verses 1 and 2 says this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. There's no judgment. Because through Christ Jesus, the law, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Verse 5 says, we have joy because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. So we come to this conclusion, we want joy. We all want to receive joy. Receiving joy is actually simple. Those who have experienced God's joy understand it. For those who do not understand God's joy, receiving God's joy is simple. It's God who pours love into our hearts. You can't just go out and buy it. You can't just go out and grab it. It doesn't just come to you. It's God who pours out this love into our hearts. There's a beautiful summary in the gospel 
or of the gospel of joy is found in two very key passages in scripture. And they relate very closely together. The one is from Romans 3.23, which says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now we might say, that doesn't sound like great joy to me. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Oh no! But the next verse in chapter 5, Romans 8, or Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, But, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but... And there's a great but here. And I'm just excited about it because it says, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Which means we are now free. You see, we have to understand that, that God is not cranky. God doesn't take pleasure in punishing us. But God is just, and he, he, he is holy, and he is just, and he has to stand by his justice. But Jesus, though we were sinners, took our punishment for us. Jesus took it upon himself. You no longer have to answer for the things that you've done in the past, the things that you've done today, or the things that you've done in the future, or will do in the future. In Jesus, all of that is wiped away. That's the gift of Christmas. We cannot appreciate the gospel until we, re we understand the severity of our sin. No one can appreciate the gospel until they understand their need for Jesus. They understand their separation from God and the consequences of that. When we come to realize the truth and grasp the gift of God and embrace it, it's then that we receive this great joy. And that joy isn't up here. That joy is in the whole being. We feel it. We sense it. We experience it. Joy is believing that Jesus came into this world, sent to us by God. Joy is believing by faith that we have reconciliation in the Lord Jesus Christ. We deserve the penalty of death, but Jesus came to pay for our sins. He took our penalty upon himself, and he set us free to enjoy life, to enjoy everything that he has for us. He set us free from judgment. We are no longer going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ or before God and have to answer for our sin. I know for myself, I struggle with that and I say, how does that all work? And I don't know what God's going to say when I stand before him, but I know this. My only recourse is to say, God, Jesus paid for my sin. And you gave me a promise. I know that I did all kinds of things that were not right. I know that I don't deserve heaven. I know that I deserve to be punished. But I'm standing on your promise. 
That's all I have. But I know that God is just. And God is holy. And God's promises always are carried out. God will never tell you something that he will not carry out. Faith leaves no wrath. Faith leaves no penalties. Faith in Jesus leaves no debt. None. Absolutely none. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Isn't that great news? No condemnation. Wow, we can stand on that promise. The angel announces on that morning, joy to the world, for to you a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. Joy, joy comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 11, verses 26 and 27 says this, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob, and this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. I want to tell you something. When you realize the magnitude of your sin, when you realize your condemnation without a Savior, when you've embraced the love that God has given to you in Christ Jesus. You can have nothing but joy. You can't have anything but joy. I've experienced it. I know what my life was like prior to knowing the Lord. In fact, I told people Yes, I believe that there is a greater power out there, a power that cannot be known. And I don't understand it, and I'll never, he can never make me understand it, whatever power that is. I believe that there was some power out there. I didn't believe that I needed to be answerable. But when I realized my sin, and my condemnation in a God who is knowable, things changed. And all of a sudden, I had this great joy because I was free. I was free from all that that condemned me. It's this that we celebrate the freedom that we have in Christ, the joy that we have in Christ, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, way back a couple of thousand years ago, but he's coming again. He's coming again for us to reconcile us for all eternity with God himself. We recognize that there is a growing relationship with him through Jesus We have eternal life. We have an eternal future with him. And this is the good news of Christmas. 
This is the good news of Christmas. This should cause us to rejoice, to sing out hallelujah, amen. Praise the Lord for what he has done for us. It pleased God to sacrifice the Lord Jesus Christ, his son. Father, we thank you. We thank you and we praise you because you have given us not just a little bundle of joy, but this little child that was born in a manger was intentional. He came into this world as a humble babe. And Lord, you raised him up. He was sinless. He was holy. He was blameless. He was able and qualified to pay the price of our sin. Only someone who is totally innocent could do that. We thank you for that wonderful sacrifice. We rejoice in knowing that our relationship with you can go nowhere but up. Nowhere but closer to you. We can only receive greater and greater joy because of the promise that you have given us in Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. May we, over this Christmas season, recognize this wonderful gift. And Father, if there are those who haven't recognized it, we pray and we ask that you would open their hearts, that they would come to realize. We pray and ask that you would send your Holy Spirit in a most powerful way that would open the eyes of their hearts and they too would receive not only this gift, but this eternal joy which you have given us, the hope, the hope that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.